0: you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music? <laughs> Pierce. Very easy. Tatum drives down and throws it down. This is my MC's a thing. Of the, are you kidding me? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode 103 103 of the Banner Branch Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Before we begin, just a few announcements. Number one, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family. Please stay safe. Please wear your mask. Please social distance, please wash your hands so we can get back to normal, so we can start attending Celtics games, so we can start attending concerts, so we can just literally get things back to normal. So have fun, enjoy the holiday, it's a great time of the year. For some, I don't like Christmas, bah humbug, Uh, but enjoy the time with your family, please stay safe. Number two, thank you so much for listening to episode 102 of the Banner Brancher podcast with Wick Grossbeck. That's a mouthful, so that's why I kind of had to slow it down there, with Wick Grossbeck. Yes, episode one oh two, one of the most listened to podcasts I have ever done, whether it's with my NASCAR podcast, the Wicked Fast Podcast with Brian Bell, or the Banner Manager Podcast. Chart it again as well. So thank you so much for listening. I really and truly appreciate it. And then finally, Big Night Media. As you know, the Banner Manager Podcast is a part of Big Night Media. And there are some great podcasts. The Marky P show. Burnt Toast, Those Girls You Know, Eat the Damn Cake, Let's Get Rich Podcast, Drinks After Work, and I'm sure more to come. And as always, please visit wherestheplan.org to get help for the restaurants to figure out how the government can help restaurants survive these dark and crazy COVID times. Speaking of restaurants, Big Night Entertainment Group, they have a bunch of restaurants. They're ready for New Year's Eve. Get yourself a dinner reservation, limited time slots for 6 and eight, so that means you're really only there for about 90 minutes or so. Go check that out at BNEG.com. And also check out the Be Strong Fund. The Be Strong Fund is a charity that helps Big Nine Entertainment Group employees that are currently for load be able to feed their families, get their family gifts for Christmas, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So please check that out as well. Alright, let's get into episode 103 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm not happy. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I am not happy at all. Uh, The Celtics lost twice this week. And that, you know, you could say, oh, hey, it's not that big of a deal. It's preseason. They got smoked by the 76ers, 108 to 99, and they got absolutely demolished. They looked like a JV team out there. 113 to 89 to the Brooklyn Nets unbelievable so first let's recap the philadelphia 76ers game shall we first off the starting lineup was marcus smart jalen brown jason tatum the time lord that's fine because daniel tice was out with a back injury that's fine he has a little bit of a sore back he had that issue last year as well not a big deal and then javante green javante green not aaron neesmith not grant williams not shemmy ojalite but like javante green okay all right fine so first possession Dumbass play by Marcus Smart against a 2-3 zone. So instantly I say to myself, great, here we go again. But then he picks up a charge on defense, so then I'm like, okay, forget it. Great, Marcus Smart's already picking up offensive fouls. What a world. Just literally, it's preseason. It's 90 seconds into into the game, and he's just waiting there for someone to run him over. And that's why you love Marcus Smart. But, oh, my God, that first possession against a 2-3 zone, and then I was just like, they're never going to figure it out. Never going to figure it out. Now. Jason Tatum, folks, does look bigger. He drove to the basket very well, especially that very in the first quarter where he drove to the basket, the reverse layup or the opposite hand layup, whatever you want to call it. It was very, very good. But it really wasn't that effective in that first half because he was 2 of 5 from the free throw line. So instantly I'm saying to myself, okay, he's off because I don't want to overreact. And then I decided to overreact and I was like, oh my God, is it because he's gotten bigger and now he doesn't know how to shoot free throws? That's not good, but... The other thing that I'm really worried about with Jason Tatum, folks, is I feel like he's going to get a lot of offensive fouls this year. And it's kind of scaring me. And that's why I kind of started there, because it's making me uncomfortable. The way that he kind of pushes off with that off arm, the arm that he's not dribbling with, for that step back, like elbow mid range jumper that he has. I feel like a good defender like Danny green, which is where it happened or a good defender like Pascal Siakam or Ananobi or Ben Simmons or really any good defensive player. The Celtics will be playing this year. They know that Tatum's going to want to push off with that arm and they'll sell it. And I know Tatum's a star, but I don't think he's the star yet. That's going to be getting those type of calls going his way every single time. So I think we might have to deal with a little bit of frustration from Jason Tatum and from the officials this year that that off arm, that push off arm, ain't going to be on Jason Tatum's side. But some of the other fun highlights, Jalen Brown had a very nice defensive possession, which led to a nice alley-oop. And you know how excited I am about successful fast breaks with the Boston Celtics, because in my opinion, the Boston Celtics in the last four, five, six, seven, eight, nine million years have been like the worst fast break team in the nba like just absolutely horrific every single time you know brad wanamaker last year just wouldn't pass it to anyone no one can really catch an alley-oop or they miss the dunks it's been terrible speaking of terrible the celtics defense looked so lazy and I get it's preseason, but some of the hoops they gave up were just so easy. You know, the 76ers did not give up any easy buckets. Their length showed. The Celtics couldn't attack the rim a lot. They were The 76ers were picking the Celtics' pockets. It was it was unbelievable. And then Scal really brought up a great point, and this was one of the many frustrations of the 76ers game, is like Jalen Brown has to be a go-to guy. And he did not play well. I think he shot like one of 11 or two of – Twelve or something like that. I, I think it was one and eleven, which is you know not great, Bob. But if Jason Tatum needs a breather and Jalen Brown's out there, Jalen Brown has to be the number one scoring option as long as Kemba Walker's not on the floor, and Kemba Walker's not going to be on the floor for the first you know three four weeks of the season, which sucks. But Jalen Brown cannot get in foul trouble because if Jalen Brown gets into foul trouble, that means more minutes for Tatum, which means a little wear and tear on Tatum, and we don't, and the Celtics don't need that. They don't need that at all. So can Jalen Brown fulfill the offensive role of Jason Tatum? Now, am I saying that, how can I say this the right way? Am I saying that he has to be as good as Jason Tatum? No, but he also has to be a lot more consistent with his shots. You obviously saw it in the Nets game. We'll talk about that in a bit. But Jalen Brown layups, Jalen Brown dunks, Jalen Brown floaters, really anything inside the free throw line, Jalen Brown's great at but anything outside the free-throw line over these first two preseason games is making me a little uneasy, to, to be completely honest with you. And it's, I know it's preseason, so I'm really not trying to overreact, but I mean one of 11. Good God, that—that that, that's not good at all. And speaking, <laughs> you know, we all needed a laugh, especially after that, you know, that horrific first seven, eight, nine minutes of play. But then Taco Ball stole the ball. And tried to dribble. You want to talk about comedy at its finest. Taco ball. Taco fall. Stealing the ball. And then trying to dribble in a fast break. Ugh, it was the most 2020 thing I, I think I've ever seen. <laughs> but some po- I, I'm again, I'm trying to get some positivity here. Peyton Pritchard. He comes in. Makes a step back jumper. And you're like, okay. Okay. Welcome to the NBA, Peyton. Let's see what you got, bud. But the thing that really drove me nuts is Aaron Neesmith... Not coming in before Shemmy Ojale, to me, that's not good. 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 I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I mean, Peyton Pritchard was great. He was active on both ends. I mean, there was one shot I really didn't like from him, but that's okay. He did make a steal. And I thought Peyton Pritchard in the 76ers game played great. I don't understand the the Chemio Ojale coming in before Aaron Neesmith thing. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. And it's going to be more of a rant. So... Please be patient with me. Also, Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague made some shots. Jeff Teague made a lot of shots, and he looked really good. Speaking of people who didn't look really good was the Time Lord. Uh, The Time Lord, uh, at times, um, really didn't look like Alicia Silverstone out there. Ugh, as yeah like he didn't look clueless which was great i mean he made a pass then ran to the hoop and got rewarded like that was great he made a pass and then just literally just cut to the hoop and b didn't see it you got an easy bucket those are the type of things you want the time lord to improve on that he just hasn't been able to do yet but in year three you pray you hope you you're on your knees praying a six pound eight ounce baby jesus that like it, it works out but he still got bodied by Embiid in the post and that's going to happen but, and he also had a hard time when Embiid was cutting to the basket like he wasn't expecting Embiid to cut like he was expecting Embiid to kind of float around look for his three point shot which if i'm a 76ers fan good god that that would drive me crazy Embiid just sitting at the top of the key but when whenever Embiid decided not to set a screen or not to sit at the top of the key the time lord really couldn't keep up with him and that I don't know. That made me a little uncomfortable because he's still not there yet. Now, can he still improve? Sure, but with Trishan Thompson, from what I've heard, is a full go at practice. Now he's really not going to be getting a lot of minutes between Tice and Trishan Thompson. But we'll see. The other thing that I really didn't like at the end of this uh, end of the first half was Jason Tatum trying to play too much hero ball. The, f- the end of the first half was awful. I mean, Grant Williams could have made the vaccine for COVID. Before shooting the ball, that's how wide open he was at the end of the first half. Jason Tatum just kept dribbling and dribbling and dribbling, and Grant Williams was at the top of the key. And he, like I said, he could have made the COVID vaccine before a defender was near him if Tatum passed him the ball. That's how wide open he was. It was absolutely ridiculous. But Tatum, three of 10 from the field in the first half. It's preseason rust. I get it, but sheesh. Kind of ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, Embiid didn't play in the second half, which to me is crazy because I feel like one of the, the knocks on Joel Embiid, he's an unbelievable talent. He's fantastic. But he's never like really like in shape, or he never really gives like 150% or even 100% at times. How do you not try and get him in shape and at least let him play the first three or four minutes of the first half? I mean, of the second half. It was absolutely crazy. But Brad noticed it. And he put it in Time Lord's hand at the top of the key. Why? So he could hard roll to the hoop, and it worked with a high lob from Jalen Brown because he knew that Dwight Howard was going to be too was going to try and be too physical. He set the screen. He rolled. Jalen Brown gave him a nice alley, uh, nice high lob. He caught it and laid it in. That was fantastic. Those are the type of things you want to see from the Time Lord. So offensively, I thought the Time Lord looked really well. There are times on defense where he f- still feels like he doesn't know where he's going, and and that's okay. But he'll get there. I hope. I really do. I If I'm wrong about it, fine. But I'm telling you, if they can just keep giving this kid more minutes, and I know it's going to be tough this year for him, but if they can give this kid a chance, I really think he can improve a great deal. Speaking about improvement, in the second half, we finally saw Aaron Neesmith. Finally, in his first trip down, he sticks a three. Absolutely fantastic. But then Ben Simmons blew by him for a layup. So, other than, like, two threes, I, I well... I'm, I'm trying to think. The other two, the other two threes he hit were not good shots, or or took. Were were not good shots. Um, and I feel like he has to run tighter and quicker off of screens if he's going to get open. So what I mean by that is one of the things. Uh, when when you learn how to run off of a screen whether it's middle school high school whatever the case may be the whole point is you're supposed to rub shoulders with the guy that's setting the screen so for example if you're five feet from me and i want to curl around a screen i'm going to run up against you and your left your left shoulder and my left shoulder are going to connect slightly I'm not saying I have to run into you but just you know skim it and that way you can turn the corner that way it's harder for the defender to come around and get you and then also if your screen is set wide enough then the defender that is actually defending the screener will also have a hard time getting to you so you can you know put up a good shot so that is what I want Aaron Neesmith to start doing a little bit better run off that screen quicker and run off of it tighter one guy that did take a lot of good shots was Shake Milton Holy crap. He plays for the 76ers, for those of you that don't know, but he was awesome in this game, and he played pretty well for the 76ers when Ben Simmons was out last year at times. But he he looked really, really good, and if he can play that well off the bench for the 76ers, that's some much-needed added depth that they did not have last year. I mean, he was on the team last year, but with Simmons out, he played. He was mostly a starter. Um, what else did I want to talk about from the 76ers game? Oh, yeah. If the offense is going to be this bad every once in a while. That's okay. Um but if that's going to be their case, the defense has to be much better. There was a lot of lazy sets out there and I you know, and I'm again, I'm not trying to overreact or pinpoint everything, but if, because it is preseason, but jeez, some of the defense there was just absolutely 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 awful. And we'll talk about Jeff Teague in a little bit, but I'm telling you, he was terrific. Four three-pointers, quick attack in the basket, could be a sneaky good pickup to help fill in for Kemba if that's the case because you still don't know what Brad Stevens starting lineup's going to be because I like Javante Green. I have nothing against Javante Green, but Javante Green is not a starter right now in the NBA. He's not ready. Now, do you do Teague, Smart, Tatum, Brown, uh, Tice, or do you do smart, Grant Williams, Jalen, Jason, Tice? I don't know. I don't know what Brad's gonna do, but we'll 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 talk about that in a little bit. All right. The Nets game. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets game. And before we begin, yes, Kyrie Irving burned some stage before the game. So does that mean we're over it? Like, he played in the garden. He tried to put the bad demons away. Can can we all move on? Like, please. Like, and I'm just not saying this because I'm one of the guys that wanted to keep Kyrie because I think he's a hell. Whoops, sorry about that. I think he's a hell of a basketball player. An unbelievable basketball player. Better than Kemba Walker. Better than Marcus Smart. Yeah, I said it, and I will stand by that. And if you don't think that Kyrie Irving is a better basketball player than either of those guys, then I ugh, i don't even know what to tell you. But I understand he's beyond cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. That He is literally on another planet. Hopefully it's flat. But like, he, there is no way that you can honestly say, after watching either that preseason game or anything Kyrie has done since he's left basketball-wise, that you would want Kemba Walker instead. I, I can't do it. But we need to move on from the Kyrie thing. Or is this gonna be like the negative IT? So the positive IT is we should bring Isaiah Thomas back because he did so much for us and that was so cool of everything that he did. Who cares if he sucks now? It's all about the story. Okay. Cute. So is this gonna be like the negative IT or it's gonna be like he did nothing for us. Oh my god, I hate him so much. Every show and time he comes back to the garden. I'm gonna boo him. So can we move on? Because I, I hate the media questions. Like I hate like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum hugging him and people are like, oh, well, maybe the Celtics have moved on past it. Maybe they're all good now. Like Shut up. Just shut up. So are, are we not going to be over Kyrie until we can all just lay into him and boo him? Because, like, I'll be honest, I'll, I'm will i going to boo him, but at the same time, I'm going to golf clap him because he's a hell of a talent. But I'm going to boo him because he messed up the locker room and gave up in the second round against the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs. I agree with everyone on that. But, like, can we just move on from it, please? We have so many better things to focus on and so many better things right now. It's, it's ridiculous. Moving on. Daniel Tice, he was back in the starting lineup, and Javante Green was too. Of course he was. But I'm glad Daniel Tice started. I'm glad he's back. He can extend the floor for the Celtics. He really can. He can get that center kind of pushed off into the corner because sometimes Tice just sits there in the corner, which at times works. At other you know, at other times, it drives me crazy, but that gives an opportunity for Jalen and Jason to attack the hoop, let him come over, and you could also dish it out to him. And he made a couple jumpers. He's a reasonable mid-range jumper, and I was preaching during the bubble that I, would, I wouldn't mind if Daniel Tice took more three-pointers. Not contested, just if you get at the top of the key and there's no one near you, shoot it, bud. It, I mean... You're like probably like a 30% three-point shooter, but hey, it's better than being a 0% three-point shooter, right? So there you go. And the other thing with Daniel Tice is the defense looks better. He's very vocal out there, and I think the guys really like it. But, you know, he can see things that Marcus Smart can't see. So the fact that Marcus Smart's so vocal and Daniel Tice is so vocal, that's a really, really cool thing. Now, the thing that I didn't like about the start of this game was exactly the same thing I didn't like about the start of the 76ers game. Too many threes to start. This is very concerning that the Celtics are just being so lazy in offense or the offense isn't working that they have to take up lazy, not good, contested three-point shots. The the Celtics are not a very good three-point shooting team to begin with. So if you're going to start jacking up threes, this is going to be a long, long, long season. They went 8 of 45. 8 out of 45 five from three that is insane joe harris himself i think made four or five three-pointers joe harris has shooters and joe harris has shooters joe harris is a great shooter and (laughs) joe harris has shooters um the nets also have a lot of shooters kevin durant ever heard of him kyrie irving ever heard of him like lavert he can shoot threes joe harris spencer dinwiddie they have shooters. Landry Schammett, at times, can shoot the ball pretty well. But you cannot keep up with, this, with the Nets, three-point shooting-wise. You can't. You So why try? Play your own game. And that's why I feel like they got wiped with the floor. Now, the other reason why they got wiped on the floor by the Nets, Kevin Durant, he looks all right, huh? I mean, maybe not 100% Kevin Durant, but, I mean, at least 90%. And that 90% Kevin Durant is better than a lot of the people in the NBA. Kevin Durant looked really good. Now, the question with Kevin Durant is, is the Achilles? Obviously, he hasn't played in like over 500 plus days, like an actual like real game that's mattered. But can that Achilles survive? How sore will he be? How many nights off will he get? But if Kevin Durant can play the way that he did, and I know it's preseason, and I'm going to say that probably a thousand times during this podcast, but... If Kevin Durant can play and shoot the way that he did, then that's going to be really, really, really good. And I'm not going to overreact to the Celtics, but I will overreact to the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are going to be a motherfucking problem this year. They really are. They are deep. They have scoring, and they can defend Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. Kevin Durant is lengthy. Now, if you, if you stood Kevin Durant... Next to Jason Tatum, it is night and day because Tatum looked like Durant coming into the league, and obviously Tatum's gotten a lot bigger. But whoo, whoo, the Nets are going to be a problem. Now, what else do we want to talk about with the Nets game? I mean, just in the first quarter, the Celtics didn't look at all. Tatum seems off. Jalen Brown can only hit a layup. He can't hit anything else. Marcus Smart's front-rimming shots. Grant Williams is taking jab step iso three-pointers in the corner and here is your weekly mention of brandon clark brandon clark would have been a better draft pick brandon clark can actually hit a three-pointer brandon clark can actually jump over a sunday boston globe because i feel like the celtics all that they do is they draft guys that can't jump they're either too short or they can't jump but speaking of things that the celtics don't look good at it's when jason tatum's off the floor when jason tatum is off the floor the celtics oh what was the stat that i read I think when Jason Tatum was off the floor, the Celtics were a minus 40 in the two preseason games, and with him on the floor, he was a plus 7. You know how scary that is? I mean, when Jason Tatum is not on the floor, the offense looks awful. I mean, awful. Horrific. I mean... They can what what can they do? Well, obviously more ball movement, more pick and roll, less ISO play, because there's really no good ISO players on the team except for Jalen Brown, who's still iffy at times with his isolation play. But when you when you break it down, Jeff Teague, I mean, he's not an ISO guy anymore. Maybe back in his days with the Hawks, like in his prime, Marcus Smart isn't. I mean, sure he can drive the rim, put his head down and then Wah! and flop. Uh Time Lord isn't, Tice isn't, Grant Williams isn't. Aaron Neesmith isn't. Peyton Pritchard, I haven't seen enough to say yes or no, but I'm going to lean no. Uh, Romeo, Langford, <laughs> Romeo Langford. But it's crazy. They need to be more of a team than ever before when Jason Tatum goes to the bench. They really and truly do. I mean, when Jason Tatum came out in the second half, the Celtics looked like the Celtics. They They cut down the lead. To about nine, and then you know the Nets went on a little bit of a run, but the Celtics defended well. They made they forced the Nets to make some tough shots where they missed. Tatum was attacking the rim. Tatum hit uh, went to the line a lot in this game, which we're going to see a lot this year, which is great. Brown was making the right passes. Obviously, it was a little bummer that uh, Aaron Nesmith got dunked on by Jeff Green, but hey, welcome to the league, bud. But Jalen Brown was only one assist away. If you're if if you're a new member of the Banner Banter Podcast family. Welcome. We always have a dance party when Jalen Brown has five assists or sister more. That's right, we have a dance party because I have begged and pleaded for Jalen Brown to be more of a facilitator because I think that will help the team out a lot more. So whenever Jalen Brown has five assists or sister more, we have a party. And he had four. And I was keeping my eye on it because I was ready to bring some excitement into this podcast minus all this negativity that I'm throwing your way. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That, uh, that Nets game was terrible. It really and truly was. I mean, Carson Edwards didn't look great. Grant Williams didn't look great. I mean, no one really and truly looked great. But before we get into that, why don't we, since we just recapped the two games, why don't we finally do our first official stud and dud of the week, of the season, Lego. And now, it is time for the Celtics' stud and the Celtics dud of the week okay your Celtics stud and dud of the week the stud is Jeff Teague Jeff Teague was fantastic in these two games. Now, obviously, he was very good in the Philadelphia 76ers game. He played 19 minutes, shot 7-9 and nine from the floor, 4-4 four, four from 3, 18 points, couple of assists, and then in the Nets game, you know, he's had better games, but he still looked good. He still looked like he could help control the offense, help control the second unit, so I am all for that. Yes, Jalen Brown was aggressive in the second game, which is what you want, but the best player on the floor for those two preseason games combined was Jeff Teague. He was consistent, he was trustworthy, and you could trust him. And I and I don't want to hype it up too much because go ahead, say it with me. I know it's only preseason. But if Jeff Teague can give us eighteen points a night off the bench, I know it's wild, but even if he could even if he wasn't going seven and nine and he went five and nine and went three or four from three and still gave us 14 or 15 points. That's more than Wanamaker did. That's more than, uh, who else was on the Celtics bench last year? That was legit. Oh yeah. No one. So yes, I know Gordon Hayward, but like I'm, I'm thinking when the Celtics were actually in the bubble, one of the reasons why they lost a couple of the games against the Raptors or, uh, not the rap. Yeah. The Raptors or the heat was because of the bench. So yeah, so Gordon Hayward, sure, but like if if Jeff T can even give us somewhat of Gordon Hayward numbers, facilitate the basketball, score when needed, not be the number one scoring option, that would be great. And by the way, Gordon Hayward got hurt again. Oh my god. He like broke his pinky like a non surgical like a non surgical break. Like the the guy has the worst luck. I feel for him. I mean he's a gazillionaire, so like well, part of me doesn't feel bad for him, but like uh, the guy just has the worst luck, and he doesn't deserve it. He's such a good basketball player. But your stud this week is Jeff Teague. I I know it's just preseason, but I, watching those two games and seeing how he can run the offense, see seeing different lanes of passing, when to attack, when not to attack, when to shoot it, when not to shoot it, floor presence, the whole nine. He was a very good point guard for this team, and I, I'm really looking forward to Jeff Teague. I really am. I don't want to jinx him, and if I do, you can blame me, but Jeff Teague was your stud this week, and the dud is Jason Tatum's haircut. It's got to go. Shots aren't falling for Jason Tatum. He could barely hit free throws at times. He could, I mean, in the 76ers game, he was 4 of 13. 4 of 13, folks. And then I believe in the Nets game, he was 5 of 17. So that basically means Jason Tatum is 9 of 30 in his last two games. And remember, he had that haircut when he went 1 of 18. Cut the damn hair. I mean, the team, the Boston Celtics as a team, shot 19 of 84 from, from three. 19 of 84. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? That means they missed 65 three-pointers in two games. 65 three-pointers in two games. Let me give a little bit of an example for you. <laughs> the Celtics in the... Nets preseason game. If you take away the f- the fourth quarter, the Celtics scored 60 points. Okay? They missed 65 three-pointers in two games. That's 22%. That is so bad. And I'm going to blame Jason Tatum's hair. Cut your hair. So Jason Tatum's haircut is the reason why the Celtics aren't shooting well. And Jason Tatum's haircut, not Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum's haircut is your dud of the week. All right. Before I preview the Celtics' actual regular season games, let's have a conversation, shall we? Let's sit down. If you want some hot chocolate, go right ahead. Maybe some eggnog. Whatever your favorite holiday treat is. Mine's Ascentia. Ascentia water. So good. So many electrolytes. So delicious. Hopefully Ascentia can sponsor me after that. Okay. After watching these two preseason games and seeing the first-year guys, the second-year guys, the third-year guys, you can't be happy how Danny Ainge has drafted And you also cannot be happy on how Brad Stevens has developed these players. I think it goes both ways. And we all know I'm a Brad Stevens guy, but... Brad Stevens playing certain guys over other guys is driving me nuts. So why don't we break down over the last three or four years who the Celtics have drafted? And I understand that there were some years, like the Time Lord year, they only have one first round draft pick. And yes, I know about Jason Tatum. And yes, I know about Jalen Brown. And yes, I know about Marcus Smart. And yes, I know about Daniel Tice. I know he drafted all those guys. I know... Daniel Tice was a draft and stash and it's worked out fine. Obviously, Jason Tatum's a top 15 player in the league. Jalen Brown is a potential all-star, and Marcus Smart we all love mm, 60% of the time every time. But you look at Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. I mean, they get a little bit of a pass this year because they're not going through a full training camp. They're not going through the summer league. So they get it, it, it it's a very weird year. So they get a pass. That's fine. They're, they're gonna have time to figure it out. So I think at the end of the first half of the season on March 4th against the Raptors, I believe that's their the Celtics last game, if I've already memorized it, please don't judge me. That I'll 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 give a better assessment of them now. So that's fine. Then we have Romeo Langford. And we all know my thoughts on Romeo Langford. And Brian Scalabrini on on the Celtics pregame show the other night mentioned, and I quote, that if Romeo Langford does not perform well, when he comes back, better than Pritchard or Aaron Nismith, there could be a chance he could be off the Celtics and out of the league. Folks, Romeo Langford wasn't a good draft pick. Hear me out. I want to be wrong about Romeo Langford. I'm just so confident that I'm not, but I do want to be wrong about Romeo Langford. We all know that. Then we have Grant Williams. I don't know yet. I really don't. He's another player that the Celtics have drafted or signed that can't jump over a Sunday Boston Globe. And it drives me crazy. Like, We all talk about how Jason Tatum grew two inches, whether you believe it or not. I don't believe it. He just looks bigger, like muscle-wise. I wish Grant Williams would grow two inches. I really and truly do. If Grant Williams was 6'10", or even 6'9", oh, that'd be fantastic. But he's not. And Grant Williams needs to perform this year. He's going to have a much bigger role. Like, he could start. He really could. But I I just don't know if he's there yet. I don't know if he's just a better version of Shemmy. And that's not good. And then you have Tremont Waters. Nice player. Fine player. But he's really not going to make an impact at all. And then Carson Edwards. What are we doing with Carson Edwards? Are we all over him? Remember that one crazy game in Cleveland you know, during the preseason last year where he went absolutely like bananas. He went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He went crazy. It was insane. I think he dropped like 30 plus points or something if I remember correctly. But what are we doing with him? He's not going to make an impact at all. So right then and there, Romeo hasn't made an impact. Grant uh maybe kind of sorta tremont waters is a nice player but he's not gonna make an impact carson edwards hasn't made an impact then you have the time lord he's been hit or miss he has flashes but he won't get a lot of minutes then you have shemmy like what are we what are we what are we doing with shemmy can someone tell me that what are we doing with shemmy why are we playing him like that's on brad stevens like Aaron Neesmith is a kid that needs more minutes. He is your first-round lottery pick this season that is supposed to be a sharpshooter, which is obviously a need. What is Shemi Ogilvy doing minus lifting weights? Honestly, he looks like a robot. He's been in the league for three or four years. He looks so out of place on the court. Sure, defensively, he can be physical with Giannis, cute, adorable, hooray, hurrah. But, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? You know, like seriously, what are we doing with Shemi Ojale? Like get him out of here. I, I don't, I don't want see I don't want to see him. Uh, like, I'm sure he's a great locker room guy. He actually seems like a really nice guy. I follow him on Instagram. He posts some really nice, thoughtful things. But what are we doing with him? What are we doing with Shemi Ojale? Get him out of here, play Ernie Smith and said, "That's on Brad Stevens. Shame on Brad Stevens there. And then they also drafted Kadeem Allen and Jabari Bird. Yeah, not great, Bob. I think we all remember what happened with, was it Jabari Baird that got in some, some uh, domestic trouble? Or was that Kadim Allen? Either way, both of those guys are not in the league, and if they are, only one of them is a G League or bench player. Okay? Then you have Yabo. Yershan Yabaselli. He's out of the league. Then you have Ante Zizic. I think he's still in the league and maybe a bench player. And then you have Dimitri Jackson. Huh? Who's that? I only know him because he played at Providence. Besides that, he didn't do much. Ben Batil, do you remember him? Yeah, me neither. And then Abdel Nader. He's still in the league. He was playing for the Thunder. He actually played some reasonable minutes for the Thunder. But again, not a lot of impact. So this team, losing all these free agents like Horford and Kyrie and Hayward, and then this crappy draft class or group of draft classes is crazy to me it's insane it's insanity that they can't draft a little bit better but anyways folks the Celtics have three games this week and they actually count the regular season for the Boston Celtics starts now before I start my regular season preview for the Celtics I'm going to give you my NBA season predictions I'm going to give you who I think is going to make make it in the playoffs Coach of the year, MVP, and Rookie of the year. So let's start with the Rookie of the year. I think the Rookie of the year is going to be Obi Toppin, currently playing for the New York Knicks. Now, I know that's not great because if you have a really good player in your division when you already have the Raptors, the Nets, and uh, the 76ers, probably not ideal but obi Toppin is a walking bucket i'm a very very big fan of his going into the draft and i think he's going to help the knicks out very well i don't know if he's going to be getting a lot of minutes or starting i think he should be starting for the Knicks the way that their lineup works but again i'm not diving deep into Knicks stuff because i hate the knicks but i'm going to go with obi Toppin as your <clears throat> uh, rookie of the year your 2020 2021 rookie of the year your mvp I don't think it's going to be honest this year. I really don't. I think it's going to come down to LeBron or Luca. I really do. And I think I'm going to give the nod to Luca because I'm kind of high on the Mavs this year just because of Luca. And hopefully Chris Boss Porzingis is actually healthy. Coach of the year is going to be Steve Nash. Steve Nash is going to be the coach of the year because the Nets are going to be so goddamn good. And I am absolutely overreacting to one preseason game that I saw. Yep, I am. So who is going to make the playoffs in the West? The one seed? Lakers. Two seed, Clippers, three seed, Nuggets. Jazz will be the fourth seed. The Mavs will be the fifth seed. Trailblazers, the sixth seed, the Suns, the Phoenix Suns are gonna be the seventh seed, and the Pelicans are gonna be the eighth seed. The ninth and the tenth seed for like the play in, because that's what the NBA is going to do now, just like they kinda did with the bubble, how they invited some extra teams because they're only a certain amount of games behind, will be the Warriors and the Grizzlies. I think the Warriors can be good this year. I really do. I think Steph Curry can go off, but Draymond Green's fading. Can Wiseman make an instant impact, like a really big instant impact? Obviously, Kelly Oubre is a good player. I don't trust Andrew Wiggins. Steve Kerr is a great coach, so that'll be interesting. And then you have the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies have a lot of young pieces. Are they ready yet? I think they're good enough. John Morant's obviously going to be better in year two. Brandon Clark is going to be phenomenal in year two. They... They have a good core there. They have a great coach. I, I think the Grizzlies will be good. I just don't think it will be as good as the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Mavs, Trailblazers, Suns, and Pelicans. That's all. And then in the East, this 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 is this one's a little tough. But who's going to make the East playoffs? The one seed is going to be the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, yeah, I said it. The one seed is going to be the Brooklyn Nets. The Bucs are going to be the two seed. Your third seed is going to be the Miami Heat. Your fourth seed is going to be the Boston Celtics. And here's why the Celtics are going to be in just a quick little thing about why I think the Celtics are going to be fourth. I think this month without Kemba Walker is not going to be fun. I It's looking at this team like I had high expectations of how much Tatum was going to jump, how much Jalen Brown was going to jump, that they would be ready. You know, some of these teams in the NBA haven't played since March. Like an actual game that's mattered. These guys played a game like, you know, eight, nine, ten weeks ago that actually mattered. So I I have high expectations, but seeing the preseason games and seeing the way that the offense is working and see the way that Tatum's shooting, the way that Brown's shooting, and the way that Marcus Smart's shooting, it's not very it's not very satisfying at all. So I think they're gonna struggle a bit, and then obviously when Kemba comes back, they'll be fine. But the Heat are gonna be really good. Bam Adebayo is gonna be better. Tyler Hero is going to be better. Jimmy Butler is going to be better. They still have Dragic. Obviously, Eric Spolstra is one of the most underrated coaches in the league. The Bucks still have Giannis, et cetera, et cetera. So, Nets, Bucks, Heat, Celts. Those are going to be your top four. 76ers, fifth. Raptors, sixth. Pacers, seventh. Hawks, eighth. Your ninth and tenth seed for the play-in, Wizards, and the Magic. I have faith that Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal can work better than John Wall and Bradley Beal. I don't know if I'm going to be right. But I could see the Wizards being a very sneaky good team, and I, now do I want to say that they're going to be better than the Pacers or the Hawks? I don't know, but I think they will. Get, I I don't think they're going to be bad as they were last year, of course. But with Rui Hachimori, obviously in year two he'll be better. Scott Brooks used to coach Russell Westbrook, that's a good thing. And then the Magic, I don't know. I feel like the Magic are going to be sellers this year at the trade deadline keep an eye out for Aaron Gordon Aaron Fournier if they don't perform very well I, I feel like they could be sellers and try and rebuild that team a little bit so there's your NBA predictions Obi Toppin rookie of the year Luca. MVP, Coach of the Year, Steve Nash. So let's preview these three games. So they're playing the Bucks, the Nets, and the Pacers. Bucks on Wednesday at the Garden at 7.30. Nets on Christmas Day at the Garden at 5 p.m. Obviously, the NBA on Christmas Day has like five or six games from noon to about midnight. It's pretty crazy and pretty cool. And then the Pacers on the road Sunday, December 27th, and that will be at 8, 8 p.m. Now, the Bucks game, of course, you have Giannis, you have Middleton, but how does Drew Holiday fit into this into this mix? Do the three of them blend well together? I don't know. They also picked up uh, DJ Augustine, Bobby Portis, Tori Craig. Torrey Craig's from the Nuggets. He's a good shooter, a good little player, an underrated player. Keep your eye out for him. Uh, they also lost Eric Bledsoe. They lost Robin Lopez. They lost Wesley Matthews. They lost George Hill. So they lost a good group of guys there that helped them succeed for the last couple of years. Now, Wesley Matthews, I think, is one of the most overhyped shooters, defenders, this side of the Mississippi. But Who knows? Then you have DiVincenzo. I think he's going to be a starter for this team last year. He came off for of the bench for them last year. But as always, you just got to control Giannis. And I know that's so cheesy and lame and boring, but it's true. If you can control Giannis, create that wall. Remember how Brad and everyone else creates the wall where you just don't let Giannis attack? Jalen Brown cannot get in foul trouble trying to reach in on Giannis. And if you're going to foul Giannis, foul him. Just like people with LeBron. like People are like, hmm towards LeBron like you have to be like ah towards LeBron you you have to hit him hard so he because they're strong enough to finish an and one you don't want that type of momentum especially with no fans because the Celtics obviously thrive on the TD Garden crazy people that are there like myself the crazy Celtics fans and you don't have that now so if you have a team on the road with no fans getting an and one that's going to hype them up a great deal it really and truly is so you all, this is also a very good three-point shooting team. Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday is a good three-pointer. Steve is a good three-pointer. This is a good three-point shooting team, so you cannot let them get hot at all. The Nets game. I mean, well, anything has to be better than that preseason game, right? I mean, Durant is is ready he's ready to go and you're going to have to defend him differently obviously they didn't think that he would play a lot or be that effective and they were wrong and that's okay it happens so you have to be prepared for that you also have to be prepared for joe harris and kyrie irving coming off of those snake screens which is those high corner screens around the three-point line joe harris runs it so perfectly where he can just come around the corner he knows it's going to be there catches shoots it and it most likely will go in will go in the Nets are very, very deep on the bench, and obviously starts with Kyrie Lavert and Jared I- Allen and TLC and Landry Shamet. They're a very, very deep team. The Celtics have the Celtics bench has to try and keep up with that. You have to be physical with this team. Kevin Durant doesn't like phys- physicality. Kyrie Irving doesn't like physicality. Be physical. Don't try and compete with them three point wise. Be physical. Tr- try and get to the line as much as possible, slow down the game a little bit, and hopefully things go your way. That's going to be a really, really tough game. And then the Pacers is a must win, especially if you lose these first two. I don't think they're going to lose the first two. I think they're going to split, but this is going to be game one of game two in Indy. They play the 27th. They have Monday, the 28th off, and then they play in Indy again on the 29th, I believe. Or do they come to Boston? I think they actually play in Indy. Yeah, it's Sunday in Indy, Tuesday in Indy. Yeah, that's right. So, (sighs) the Pacers, they've lost all three of their preseason games this year. They also have a new coach, and Miles Turner is currently in concussion protocol. I mean, he'll most likely play, but if he does, and these rumors are true that the Celtics didn't want him, be prepared for him to be a little bit fired up, a little jacked up on Mountain Dew. He, He may go off, and you have to be prepared for that. Luckily for the Celtics, T.J. Warren is dealing with a foot injury. I don't think he's going to be back in time for this game. I think he's going to miss a couple weeks. T.J. Warren was obviously one of the best players in the bubble this, this season uh, or this past season, so that's a good thing. He's a very good shooter. He's a reasonable defender too. But I really think this is going to be a great matchup for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. The Holiday brothers are good. Justin and Aaron, Uh, they're getting better and better every year. But Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum should absolutely roast them on offense. Like, no questions asked. Don't pass code. Don't collect $200. They should absolutely kill them. The Pacers obviously have uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Sabonis. Those are great players you cannot sleep on. Sabonis was really good last year. I think he's going to have a monster season this year. And then Victor Oladipo. I mean, he's, he's pretty good in the preseason. Uh, Jalen has defended him well. He's also a pretty good defender. Um, but Jalen has to, again, stay out of foul trouble. And I know I said that a lot last year during the playoffs. And it's going to be, I'm going to keep saying it until something happens. But their bench is not that great. The Celtics can win this battle on the bench, especially with Teague and Thompson and Neesmith and Pritchard and maybe even Grant Williams too. But those four guys, if those four guys can compete at a high level, they can win the bench battle. And if the Celtics can win the bench battle, they will win or will. They should win a majority of their games, especially with Teague and Thompson, if Teague can play the way that he did in those first two preseason games. All right, I'm sweating, but that's it. Of uh, That's it. Yeah, no more. Episode 103 of the Banner Banter Podcast is done. Thank you so much for listening as always. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Podcast. And just like Wick Grosbeck said last week, if you have any questions for him, please email me at gmail.com. I will, you know, try and reach out to him. Try and get him back on the show as soon as possible. Uh, you know, maybe later on in the season, maybe the second part of the season, but we'll see. But thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Merry Christmas. Please be safe. Wear a mask. Black lives matter. Uh, go visit wHere'sThePlan.org, and we'll talk soon. Spread the word about the podcast. Like, subscribe, leave a rating, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.